0: Hey friends, welcome to the Equestrian Podcast. My name is Bethany Lee, and this is episode number four. I am so excited about our guest today. She is none other than Lucy Davis. Lucy has accomplished so much, including heading to the 2016 Rio Olympics with the U.S. team for show jumping and taking home the team silver. But one of the most important things we're going to be talking about today is Lucy's entrepreneurship. Just a few years ago, she started the Pony app, which is an amazing community-based resource for equestrians. So if you're looking for a lesson in equestrian entrepreneurship, you're in the right place. Hi. How's it going? Doing well. How are you? doing well well thank you so much for coming on the equestrian podcast today um i wanted to hear a little bit as i'm sure many people listening also want to hear um just how you got to the position you are in today i mean you are one of the top riders in the industry in the show jumping world and um how did that even come about how did you start riding um how did you get to where you are today
1: Yeah, well, it's been a long road. I always say that I started riding when I started walking. Um, (laughs) my grandfather worked in horse racing. He was a jockey's agent. Um, so my mom grew up kind of around the racetrack. She didn't really ride herself, but she'd. Walk hots and, you know, work on the racetrack in the summer and things like that. So in a way, kind of come from a horsey family. Um, and my mom started riding when I was little, would bring me to the barn and kind of got hooked in that way. Um, but I played a lot of sports growing up and riding was always my obsession. Um, so at a certain point, I think when I was 15, I played, I was playing soccer also competitively and Dreading it and just wanting to ride, and finally, uh, at age I think fifteen, um, I stopped that and decided to focus fully on the riding. So, yeah, very cool.
0: Um, I know you had mentioned in another interview that um, your horse Baron is named after your grandfather. Correct?
1: Yes, it's cool. he's Robert Baron Freeze, and he's kind of beyond being my intro into horses um, is just uh, my sort of life idol and biggest supporter. So it seemed appropriate. That's so cool. I'm sure he is very proud of you.
0: Um, awesome. Well, then um, you were showing a lot um, of Grand Prix in the US and Canada, I believe, uh, kind of mid um, early 2000s. And then then you started switching over to the international stage. Um, what was the main component that um, made you feel like you were ready for a step like that?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I I basically was always obsessed with competing and riding and um, started in California and then was lucky to go to some of the um, East coast kind of finals and always took it very seriously, but it wasn't until the, uh, young rider championships, uh, North American, uh, it was called North American junior young rider. Now I think it's, I don't remember (laughs) North American (laughs) youth championship or something. They're rebranding it. Um, and it was in Kentucky and I was, um, individual silver medalist and, um, for some reason that year, uh, they had a perk that basically invited the individual medalists from North America to a European kind of final at the end of the year, just before Christmas. And um, that was 2009. And so I went uh, with my horse and competed in Germany, and it really opened my eyes to how. Um, this really is a is a sport, and um, you know, a, a global, international, popular sport. So, uh, I kind of had a, a focus shift then, and really saw that I could do this professionally. And um, and I always kind of dreamed of doing the Olympics, and uh, and you know, being an athlete. And I really felt at that point that I could do it. That's awesome, and I mean,
0: fast forward to two thousand and sixteen, you're in Rio at the Olympics and taking home the team silver um can you tell- tell me a little bit about that whole experience? I mean, obviously, it had to be a notch above what you had been doing and what you had been competing in. Um, how did that all come about?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I started training um Two thousand and ten with Marcus Bierbaum um, from Germany. So, I would say he kind of was able to introduce me to the, I guess, top sport, or so they call it. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, really uh, having sort of been everywhere himself, um, knew sort of knew sort of the path to to get me to those. To, to the point where I was comfortable in those arenas, even if I wasn't fully um, ready to be there. Kind of, it, they always say that like a good coach can really make you feel confident as a as an underdog or as a, you know maybe a a young competitor. So um, I always felt that wherever I was competing, um, that I was there to. Um, you know, uh, yeah, there to compete and uh, ready to be there because I had uh, this kind of uh, mentor and guidance that I knew um, was a lot more strategic than just me wanting to to be there and yeah and compete. So very cool. So you're training with Marcus.
0: You're um, competing at this large level. Um, at what point
1: did you know you were headed to the Olympics? Um, well, I always dreamed about it since when I was little, but, um, I would say when I started riding Baron, I really felt like I had a horse that could do it. So, um, it kind of, the dream, uh, turned into a more strictly a goal. Um, and uh, the the first kind of stop on that goal was the WEG, the World Equestrian Games. And um you know, the the process of qualifying for that was very similar to to qualifying for the Olympics. So that was definitely a dress rehearsal and my kind of first championship. And um after that I really felt like if I um, you know, maintained a good performance and health Mm -hmm. over the next kind of two years in between that and the Olympics that I could really, could really do it. And there were still plenty of ups and downs in between in those two years, but, um, I knew that I, I could at least have a shot.
0: I mean, those two years must have been absolutely crazy for you. I mean, so much travel, so much time and just so many things trying to juggle. How did you like find a balance with everything that you were doing?
1: Yeah, I, I was kind of trying to finish school and, uh, compete and it was, yeah. it was a little bit hectic. Um, started a, a company at, at school and yeah, I, I don't, I don't know why I decided to do all at once, but, um, I did actually went to, um, a um, a talk or a lecture at school one year I think it was my junior year of college that was really kind of um, eye opening to me because I always thought I had to balance everything Um, and it's basically this uh, doctor who was also a published author and a father and uh, uh, political advisor and just doing seemingly everything and somebody asked him that same question and he basically said you don't balance it (laughs) Uh, yeah he said you kind of juggle it and uh, you kind of have to learn how to serial focus and um, you know you kind of split your energy and uh, so you know maybe one winter I'm focused a little bit more on my schoolwork and it kind of you know 70% school 20% riding 10% Lucy uh, and then <laughs> you know obviously leading up to the Olympics it was pretty much like 90% riding you know um, and really just kind of learn how to serial focus and prioritize a little bit your, your schedule and um, that was a huge learning experience for me um, and kind of weight off my chest that I didn't have to do it all and do it all at once totally
0: um so based on, I mean I uh, you're 10 lucy what are some other because obviously everyone knows you as the the athlete that you are what are some other things w- when you do have that tiny bit of downtime that you
1: are passionate about and enjoy doing yeah downtime um <laughs> well, i i one thing i do love um is uh actually travel so um it kind of links up nicely with a competition schedule that's on the road so i try to um to take advantage of the time that i get to be abroad and um, a lot of times we're only competing for a certain amount of hours during the day and I might have an afternoon or a morning or an evening free to kind of explore whatever city that I'm in. Um, uh, I love art and, um, so either to go and see some art or, um, uh, if I'm, if I'm at home, I like to sketch, uh, and, uh, and, and do it myself, but, uh when I'm now I live in New York and I whenever I'm home I get to see friends and family and that's really kind of what's most important to me now totally
0: yeah that's awesome um, And uh, something that I love that you do is your um, I, I don't actually is
1: it did it start in 2015 the Pony app? Yes we started know. it. Um, Lindsay Douglas and I uh, started it. Uh, our senior spring at school. So 2015. Very cool.
0: Um, and it's an amazing app that I think was much needed, but still very ahead of its time. Um, what, what was the whole idea behind starting Pony app?
1: Yeah. So the idea started, um, Lindsay was a product design major, uh, and, there's kind of a senior capstone course that basically you create um, a company or a product that you, uh, they walk you through how to, you know, incorporate as a company, you know, market the product, you know, make a business plan, all of this, these sort of things and she was telling me about it and also um, she she also rides and rode at the stanford barn and i had my horses there so we were kind of talking about it and just talking about how um in the um, tech bubble of stanford and all the surrounding kind of companies within silicon valley the barn sometimes in a way was a um, peaceful place to get away from it all but also seemed at times that it could be a little inefficient um, in terms of how we keep track of everything with our horses and connect with all the various professionals and people, um, you know, involved in working with our horses. So we kind of thought, oh, this could be a good opportunity to explore some solutions for that. So that's kind of how it started. Um, We did a lot of um, work within the context of that class and then sort of decided to continue it after school and um, provide some sort of solutions or what we thought would be solutions and what interviews had told us to be solutions for, um, sort of barn management practices, but in the process of, uh, launching the the first version with that sort of focus and, um, just building from there off of what our users and followers have, uh, gotten most excited about it. It really seems like, um, the idea of having a community um, around horses and riders um, is what we we've found actually is, is the most exciting and, um, and are sort of moving forward towards really getting that community on Pony Up.
0: Very cool. Um, I know when I have looked at it, I mean, it's super organized. It's just like a very, organized way to keep track of where each horse is at. I mean, I feel like I'm constantly you know, scrolling through emails to pull up x rays and to check yeah. back in my calendar to see, okay, when was my when was this horse last shod? When does this horse need injections? And so I think it's an amazing way to really um, keep that organized. And I lo- the interface is so cute. Um, how did you were you the one that came up with the horse avatars? I just think that's so cool.
1: Yeah, we, uh, we actually, a friend from Stanford came up with the logo with the monocle and then we, we got this designer who just, uh, sort of came up with this pixel, pixelated horse uh, head, which we thought was awesome. And then we thought it would be, um, really fun to, to be able to kind of customize that for your horse and have their little profile. So, um, design is You were both come from a design background and it was very important for us to be a bit of a fresh, yeah, a fresh interface, a fresh face within the industry and, and really, um, be kind of friendly and, and fun. Um, there's, there's no reason why it shouldn't be easy to keep track of all those things that you mentioned, uh, and, and actually use that, um, to, make your life easier and, um, and provide some kind of insights on, um, on your horses and your practice and all of that. Totally. Um, so you,
0: you and Lindsay created the app. Um, what was the next step to actually get it out to the rest of the world? How did you go about marketing it?
1: So we had a kind of an official launch in Wellington, um, and it took, it took until 2017 to actually get, uh, the first product out, um, had a little bit of a distraction with the Olympics and, uh, <laughs> just building the product. And we took a lot of time to research and fundraise and, and, and get things off the ground. Um, so we did sort of like a local launch in Wellington and, and really just marketed online and then with social media or Instagram and, sort of tried to create a consistent message with our brand. Um, and, uh, yeah, since then I've been working on, uh, continuing, continuing to adapt the product and develop it and push it forward. Um, so we've got some very exciting updates, uh, coming up this year that we're Eager to share.
0: <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Um, what, it, what is your long-term goal with the app?
1: Yeah, so we um are sort of transitioning a bit away um, not so much from the barn management, but of business management um, and more towards creating the, I guess only. Um, existing global uh, cross-discipline kind of horse community and database. There's a lot of information out there on whether it's breeding results, um, you know, medical information, um, and uh, it's in a million different places. And so we'd like to sort of aggregate that into one place. So it's it's almost like your horse LinkedIn, where. Um, you know, if your horse is on PonyApp, uh, you can not only privately keep track of your own, you know, operation and have that horse management aspect, but you can also share um, information about your horse, um, their results, their basic profile and um, on on the PonyApp network um, and you're introducing sort of a, a social aspect of it where you can... Uh, Follow horses, follow riders, keep track of, um, you know, their activities. And um, we have a kind of aggregated news feed already called Spotlight, which is a mix of sport results and educational articles. And we really want to continue to grow that content, um, particularly in an educational way to really make accessible information on how to, uh, you know, how to train how to um go about basic horse care nutrition um competition and just where to access um and see competitors athletes shows everything so um basically building a yeah big digital horse community
0: yeah and you kind of alluded to this earlier but i mean there's there's definitely a gap in the industry when it comes to kind of a one-stop shop for being able to like learn and stay up to date about these things I mean I I feel like you look at any other sport and um, there's a very easy way and a very straightforward way for people to learn more or to you know look up um, information about different horses or athletes or events and you kind of have to do some digging when you're looking into um, particular things in the horse industry.
1: Absolutely it's whether it's um, looking up a horse or a rider or an event, it's all very fragmented. And I think in that way, um, uh, particularly the athletes, um, are really undervalued. And if we can create a platform where, um, we have people following riders and horses, it just, uh, attaches more and more value to those, um, writers. It used to be that, you know, TV was everything and broadcasting. If you got eyeballs, you got, uh, endorsements and, you know, yeah. and support. And now it's with social media and with the various kind of applications that are more kind of niche social network products. Um, there's ways where you can gain huge followings within your sphere and and beyond um, that. Yeah. Attach a lot more value to, to the horses and athletes. Um, And, you know, in turn, hopefully can, you know, get more brands and people and fans involved that maybe wouldn't be able to. And one thing I noticed is that there is a huge gap between the top sport, our athletes, our events, and, um, and the kind of knowing when and where those, uh, are to just your kind of everyday pony boy and girl, uh, riding around loving horses and having fun. Um, and I, I know even when I grew up, I loved horses and I wanted to be a Grand Prix rider, but I had no idea what, <laughs> uh, you know, Akin was or, you know, who, uh, who some of the top riders were. So there definitely has to be, um, better exposure. And we hope that we can be the platform that bridges the gap between the two.
0: Amazing. I mean, I think that's such a great perspective and, um, very, I mean, it, you hit the nail on the head and you've been a part of the industry for some time now and being definitely a leader in the industry as far as, um, you know, understanding where there might be some holes and um, just kind of taking it upon yourself to try to fill that gap. So I applaud you for that. Thank Um, you. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Well, Lucy, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Um, You've been a wealth of knowledge, and I wish you nothing but the best. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me if you got something out of this episode, could you do me a favor? I would love you forever if you could take five seconds and head over to the app where you listen to this episode and rate and review the equestrian podcast. It's super easy to do and it allows people like you to find the podcast and it allows us to find some amazing new guests and create awesome content just for you. Thanks in advance. Until next time, my name is Bethany Lee. Enjoy the ride.